You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. Let's pray to our, to our God again. Father in heaven, we seek you now, and I pray that we don't take for granted the fact, Lord, that just a baptism after baptism this weekend and seemingly right now month after month just the stories of people saying man i was dead but then jesus christ saved me he made me new i am alive i will now never die because of the grace of the lord jesus christ that is the greatest miracle ever ever being dead but then being made alive from nothing we could do but everything that you have done in your son thank you father i pray we would not take that for granted as a church I pray even now, too, we would not take for granted this opportunity and time in your word, the chance, Lord, to hear, the chance to grow in momentum for Jesus Christ, the chance by the power of your Holy Spirit to give us, Lord, the resolve to see things like prayer and love for you grow increasingly within our lives and families and church. Oh, Lord, I pray, would you wake us up? Wake us up to you, Lord. Revive our hearts and what matters most. Please, oh Lord, speak and speak so powerfully. Oh, how we need you. We need you so much, Lord. And even at this time in this service, not here just to do it because we're supposed to, I pray, I pray and beg you, this would be a supernatural time. Lord, would you do that? Some people are here, Lord, understanding fully why. Other people are here, they don't really know why they're here. I pray by the end they would. I pray they would because of Jesus. Oh God, speak. Excited now, Lord, to be with your people and to do this all-important task of learning of the Word of God and living the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've been away for a couple of weeks out of the pulpit. Whenever I'm gone for more than a week, I quickly uh, miss what's happening here and excited about that as well. Just to let you know kind of what I've been up to two weeks ago, um, I was in Vegas and I pause there each service to let you try to fill in the blanks of why your pastor was in Vegas, all right? But the reason I was is because my brother lives there, and he moved out there um, last year with him and his family. He's five years younger than me. He's a sweet guy. He's a really sweet guy. I love him so much, and uh, he takes care of a golf course out there, so he got a good opportunity. He's just outside Vegas in a city called Henderson. I haven't seen him in a year, so myself and my second son, Kale, uh, we went out uh, for four days to see him there. It was great to, to be there. It's interesting that while I was there, my brother had told me this. He's been watching what's been happening here at Harvest Oakville um, for as long as it started, of course, and it was just a couple of people. And uh, he's been so encouraged. Oh, man, I just, I've just been so impacted by that. I'd love to be a part of something. And it's so interesting that one of the biggest blessings he testified to me about going to Vegas was the church that they found. And the church, there has been a massive blessing of God within their lives, their marriage, and their family. And uh, so I got to attend his church when I, when I was there, and I knew it was going to be a good church. I just wasn't prepared really for what God was going to do within me. But I showed up there, and I, like, the Lord just met me. That's all I can say. I, just, I went in, and maybe it's because I was just sitting there. I didn't have to do anything for once, you know? And I was just receiving, but like, it was just God's grace and mercy and blessing. And I, I was so overwhelmed by the goodness and love of God and just tears. And I walked out going, like, who knew that you had to go to Vegas to experience spiritual renewal, you know? <laughs> I mean, who knew? That's what happened to me. Like, I just was in such, I just, I was like, wow, thank you, God. It's amazing what the Lord does. I want to encourage you, too. I was so encouraged to see God working 
in all these different places and a church that has no association with us and he's doing so many wonderful things with like-minded men and women trusting Christ and even in Vegas. And so that's such an encouragement. I was encouraged. I want to encourage you that as well. The next weekend, uh, Jill and I, we were down in North Carolina. Um, that's because there's a Harvest Bible Chapel there in Hickory, North Carolina. They were uh, hosting a conference. They invited me to speak at that conference. So I spoke at the conference three times and then stayed over to speak at the Sunday morning services there a couple of times. And that was a great encouragement to be there as well. And I just want you to be encouraged that there's uh, certain things that the Lord is entrusting to us. And uh, we get to share those at times and just to think of uh, things that we're so excited about what God is doing and to go down to North Carolina and share that with some of them. And just it was really, really encouraging time. So I want you to be encouraged with that. But I was in Vegas and North Carolina and now I'm back here. And uh, I just want to say that when Jill and I can go away for just a little bit, we just realize again how blessed we are. Just be able to do what we do, to pastor this church, to uh, be with you. And I just generally say my love, my love for, for you, the love for the people of this church uh, it's such an honor, and it's such a privilege, and with all the sincerity that I can muster, the joy of saying, man, we, we are so blessed. I love that God's working all over the place. I love that. I love that God's working here as well. And uh, to be any part of that is truly, um, well, it's amazing. It's amazing. And we had that thought several times while we were away. So I'm excited to do what we get to do right now. Be together and open our Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and today is a story. We're telling stories within our series in Luke, and today is a story of persevering prayer. Now, I want to remind you, as we go through this series, we're going through parables that are found in the Gospel of Luke, and parables specifically that are unique to the gospel of Luke as well. We have a couple of weeks left within the series, Lord willing. We have this week. We have next week is Easter, and that's going to be a separate Easter message. And then the week after that, Lord willing, we will end this series and let me tell you a story and then move on to new things for our church. But today's message is essential, and here in part is why, as we seek to tell a story of persevering prayer. Um, a quote by Ian e. Bounds is right here, and this is a good one. He says this, Nothing distinguishes the children of God so clearly and strongly as prayer. Now, that should be convicting on some level, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. It is the one prayer, is the, it is the one infallible mark and test of being a Christian. That's strong language, but that's good language. One of the greatest signs of our relationship genuinely in Jesus Christ is communication with God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. The one infallible mark and test of being a Christian is our prayer to the one who has saved us and our intimacy and relationship than with him. You can say, well, those are the words of man. Well, let's move on to the word of God now. Here's the, the words of God. John 15, verse 16. Jesus said this. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. So notice what's happening here. Notice the purpose of what Christ is saying. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you. I chose you and I appointed you as my son or daughter that you might go and bear fruit. So I've chosen you that you might go, that you might go and bear fruit that you might bear fruit and it may abide, that your fruit should abide. The pattern of choosing, appointing, sending, bearing fruit, abiding, notice, so that. 
I mean, this is the purpose, the reason chosen, appointed, bearing fruit, so that whatever you ask, and whatever you ask is prayer. According to this verse, we have been chosen in Jesus Christ for prayer. You are a child of God for prayer to bear fruit in your life through the passion and path of prayer to God so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Do you think prayer is a big deal to God? Ah, yes. In fact, one of the critical signs that we are in Jesus Christ is that we are growing and engaging in prayer towards him, individually, family, as a church, as a movement before God. Prayer is a big deal. And that's why Jesus tells a story today of persevering prayer. Now, the first verse in chapter 18 of Luke provides the explanation of our parable. Now, not every parable starts that way, telling us exactly why the parable is written, but ours does today. So what I want to do, I want to use the explanation verse as a launching pad into this parable. And if you allow me to, I want it to be used as a launching pad into our first point as well within our message today. So here's point number one, as we start to tell a story of persevering prayer, it's this, number one, uh, by faith, I will not lose heart in prayer. By faith, I will not lose heart in prayer. And this is really the essence of this message. Loved ones, it's this, we can never give up on the power of prayer, ever. We can never give up as to the importance and the power that is found within prayer. Look at verse one. Verse 1 says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Again, not every parable starts this way, but here we find the crystal clear understanding as to why this story is here. And let me say it this way, loved ones, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, says to you today in this text and in this parable, and imagine Christ kind of grabbing you by the precious part of your face and his hands on your cheeks and looking you in the eyes. And he says to you today, my child, don't ever give up on the power of prayer. My child, don't ever lose heart when it comes to the power of prayer. He looks at you, just just imagine Christ, not just talking to to everyone, but, but to you individually. He looks at you as an individual and says, my child, don't ever give up as to the power of prayer within your life. And verse one, there are two reasons given in this parable that tell us so much about prayer as to why we should not give up. Can you see them in verse one? Again, Luke says the reason Jesus told the story that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, the keen mind right now will understand that the reason the parable points to the reality of our lives. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the reason the parable is given is because of the reality of prayer's challenges within our lives. So the first reason for the parable is that we ought always to pray. So what's the reality in our lives that Jesus understands and we know? The reality is that prayer's hard work. We ought always to pray, but the temptation is to not always pray because prayer is hard. It's the easiest thing to do in some ways because Jesus is always ready. We can do it at any time, to any place. But it's the hardest thing to do, as we're going to find out in a few minutes, because certain things and people oppose prayer within our lives. So the first reason is we ought always to pray. The reality is prayer is hard work. The second reason for this is that we would not lose heart. So the reality in our lives is that we will be tempted to be discouraged when it comes to prayer within our lives. 
Jesus is anticipating the temptation to be discouraged when it comes to prayer. Now, when I stop there and I say, okay, Jesus is telling a parable that I might always pray and not lose heart, I get so encouraged. I get so encouraged that Jesus is anticipating my discouragement. You know what I mean? Like Jesus is understanding that it's going to be tough at times, that we're not always going to be on the mountaintop, that when it comes to prayer especially, it's going to be a battle. He's anticipating that, which encourages me in this. It's okay in part then to be discouraged, but it's not okay to stay there. It's okay to be tempted with discouragement. We're not called to be perfect here and now, but we're to be growing in the path to say it's not okay to remain discouraged and the way out we're learning, the way out is by prayer. So Jesus knows that we will go weary at times. Jesus knows that prayer is hard work. Jesus knows our temptation will be to lose heart. But again, loved ones, the whole point of the following parable is this. We cannot give up on prayer. We will be frustrated at times. We will grow weary at times. Yes, we will be discouraged at times. But we must press on another thought to summarize this message and this parable, which is so kind of neat and insightful, is this. Think of it this way. Jesus is insisting on our insistence regarding prayer. You follow me? Jesus is insisting. Jesus is commanding that we do not give up on prayer. He's telling us, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. I want you to keep knocking on my door. I want you to keep seeking me. I want you to be persevering and persistent when it comes to pressing in with prayer towards my will for your life. Jesus insists that we approach him, the throne of grace, with insistence within our lives. That's amazing to me. But then we ask, we say, well, Jesus is anticipating the hard work and discouragement of prayer. Why is prayer so hard in our lives so often? Why is it, if we're honest, that so many believers' lives just simply aren't growing in prayer the way that they know that it should? I had four reasons why prayer is so hard. I put them on the screen for us here to see. Here's the first reason why I believe prayer is so hard spiritually. Number one, because our flesh opposes prayer. Our flesh opposes prayer. Did you know that? Within us, we have a sinful flesh, the old self, which we are still fighting against. In some ways, he is completely dead and died. The penalty of sin is gone in the love of Jesus Christ. For those of us, in the grace of Christ, for those of us who have truly been born again in Christ. But the battle over sin, over the power of sin remains. And so our sinful flesh within us, our sinful flesh doesn't like prayer our sinful flesh opposes prayer. Because why? Prayer is dependence upon God. Prayer is an admitting of our weakness before God. But our sinful flesh loves laziness. Our sinful flesh loves self-righteousness. Our sinful flesh loves self-reliance. Our sinful flesh loves apathy and complacency. I mean, we've battled with that all week this week and maybe even this morning. Our sinful flesh, we're dragging ourselves in here to church. Several minutes late, maybe just not even really there, know what's going on. Our sinful flesh is trying to oppose the thing that God wants to do. We have to be aware of that. And prayer fights against self-reliance. Prayer fights against self-righteousness. Prayer fights against self-dependence. That's why prayer is so hard. Our, our flesh opposes prayer. Here's the second reason why prayer is so hard is because Satan hates prayer. Satan is terrified of a praying family, praying church, a prayer movement. Ever wonder why it's so easy just to grab a bag of popcorn and sit on the couch for like 
two, four, six hours at a time and just watch TV and be like, yeah, this is good. You're just going to feed your face the pub. We're sitting there all of a sudden, oh, it's time for bed. I better go. You know, just like there wasn't any problems whatsoever. It's so easy to do. But the moment you think, man, maybe I should go pray with my wife. I think I'm going to pray with my kids right now. Maybe I'm going to set aside 10 minutes, half an hour to seek God in prayer because I know it's important. And you go to do that, and then all of a sudden, every distraction known to mankind, like you go to pray with your wife, and all of a sudden, a thought comes in and says, well, she won't even want to pray with you. She might think that you pray like a fool. I'm going to pray with my kids. Well, they're going to think that you're strange, and that's not going to work. It's not going to do any good, and I should go pray here. What about this, 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 and this? i got to do all these things. Oh, I'm too busy. Forget I'm not praying at all. You ever notice those things happen? Why? Because in, in, in its purest form, prayer is a spiritual battle. In Ephesians 6, the greatest chapter in the New Testament for spiritual warfare, the context of the armor of God and the last piece, the weapon we pick up is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you know the next phrase following, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? The next phrase is praying at all times. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and prayer go hand in hand are offensive weapons against the forces of darkness. That's why our week of prayer is everything this week. This is our battle by prayer to God. Because Satan is so afraid of prayer, he hates it. Of course then it becomes difficult. Of course then there's all these obstacles we find as we seek to depend upon the Lord. So simple, yet sometimes so complex. Here's the third reason I thought of prayer so hard, because we're tempted not to believe in prayer, meaning we just were tempted to think that prayer doesn't actually work, and so if we did believe it, we would do it. I mean, ask yourself, why, why don't we pray more? Fundamentally, if we were convinced theologically and our minds were renewed as to the power of prayer, would we not do it more? Would we not engage in this because we fundamentally know and are convinced that prayer is as powerful as God says it is? But I think we're tempted at times, maybe subconsciously, to not even be aware that we're not really believing in the power of prayer, maybe more believing in the power of self. And the fourth reason I wrote down here is because we simply don't make time for prayer. It's hard to be good at something that you don't make time for. It's hard to get in shape if you never hit the gym or exercise. If you don't make time for something because it's not a priority, then of course it's going to be very hard to see this grow within our lives. One of the things we're learning in this parable again today is, is, is this, the Christian on fire is the Christian who prays. Um, there is no holiness apart from prayer, loved ones. One of these things that you don't think about a lot, but when you actually think about it, if you want to grow in Christ, you must pray. There, there's no way to grow in Christ without prayer. There's no way to see God move apart from prayer because prayer is the line of dependence between God and us. Prayer is the very lifeline through his word by the power of the Holy Spirit, but prayer fundamentally is, God help us, we need you to do what only you can do. So there is no growth, there is no power apart from prayer. And this is why Jesus has this word for us today. He says, oh my child, believe in prayer. Don't give up on prayer ever. Look at these other Bible passages that speak on prayer. Notice this, Romans 12, be constant in prayer. Ephesians 6 I might add one of four alls in verses 18 and 19, all relating to prayer. Praying at all times, with all supplication for all the saints. 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. Love Colossians 4, 2 today because of our context of Luke 17 and Luke 18. It says continue steadfastly in prayer and then being watchful. 
And the reason I love that with our context today, because the passage that precedes our parable in Luke 17, the subtitle in my Bible is the coming of the kingdom. And hopefully you can see it there. And why is that important? Because Jesus saw an interval between his ascension into heaven and then his second coming back to earth. He knew there would be an interval between his ascension back to his father and the moment where he would return back to earth and gather his church. This time period is called the age of grace. It's the age that we're in right now. It's the age of the church. So Jesus is anticipating this interval of time and here's what he knows. We pray and we are watchful, meaning this, and I hope you figure this out, the Christian life requires requires perseverance. The Christian life requires hanging on. The Christian life requires a dedication to what is true and the perseverance to not give up. I mean, you know this, right? Like, the Christian life is not meant to be easy, but it's meant to be amazing. And so this time period that Jesus is giving us, the age of grace that millions may be ushered in salvation and be saved through the gospel This is the time we're in right now. And this is what he knows. He says, hey, hey, church. He says, don't, don't give up. But how is the church going to persevere? The church cannot persevere without prayer. How does the the husband hang on? How does the family hang on? How does the individual hang on? How do we hang on as people, as the church? How do we persevere? How do we fight temptations? How do we endure false teaching? How do we persevere through persecution? The answer is in our text today, three words. Pray, pray, and pray. And by faith then, I will not, I cannot lose heart in prayer. That's number one. And and here's number two. By faith, I will persevere in prayer. So I won't lose heart, but I will persevere. So look now at the parable in verse two. And here's the actual story Jesus tells now. He says this. He said, Jesus said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, This is amazing. Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? What's happening in this parable, a couple of things are. First of all, we have an unjust judge. Notice, two times in three verses, we are told that this judge neither fears God nor respects man. Why would the word of God do that? Jesus wants his disciples to know and not miss the point. This judge was an unfair man. Now, the reason he's telling us about the judge being unfair, he's setting up the contrast of the perfectly righteous and fair judge our Father in heaven. So we have an unjust judge, but then we have a widow. We don't know for sure, but she's most likely weak and very poor. We do know for sure she's been wronged. In the context of when the story was told, widows were among the most defenseless in Jewish society. The Old Testament speaks of widows being oppressed and taking advantage of. They were often the victims of legal matters like we see within our text here. But it's here that the widow now becomes the focus. And what do we learn from this parable regarding her behavior? We notice a couple of things. Number one, we notice that she was persistent. 
In verse 3, it says she kept coming to him, that she would not stop asking. Notice her hope and her strategy was her persistence. She would not stop asking or going to this judge until she was vindicated. And this is remarkable for us, the clarity it brings of how Jesus wants us to relate to him in regards to prayer. Jesus, again, is insisting on our insistence as it comes to seeking him within prayer. The same way the widow would not give up until she was vindicated with justice, her strategy of persistence is to be our pursuing of the Lord relentlessly in love of Him because what He's done for us and primarily then through prayer. It's amazing when you see that. Are we persistent in prayer? So when I was sitting in the Las Vegas airport and I was with my second son, Cale, and we're sitting in the terminal waiting to come home and we had lots of time. I'm the kind of guy who prefers to get the airport early so I don't have to rush through all the frantic stuff of security. But So we had a few moments to wait there and of course... There are slot machines in the airport terminal, of course, right? And there they are. And my son, Kale, and I were just kind of waiting there and reading whatever and just watching. And we saw these people just playing these slots and playing and playing and playing and like just would not relent. And so persistently, pers- and of course, my son, Kale's never seen anything like this before. And he's like, Dad, what's up with that? You know? And it was actually turned out to be a bit of a gospel moment for us to be able to sit there and just say, okay, look what these people are doing. Like, what happens if they won? What happens if they won all the money this machine could could muster it would never turn out to be anything of any value it just wouldn't but they think it will so they keep pursuing the things and the persistence of the playing and the, the lever and the lever and for like minutes and minutes and an hour and just like i haven't really seen this stuff before either i'm just like wow man that's sad that's sad and the thought came to me though like but said to kill like you know kill in the gospel man like you have the lord you have everything but what what if what if the believers in the church oh this is so needed for us what if the believers in the church went after the Lord the same way these people are going after the slots? I mean, honestly, like, what if the same fervency? Like, the persistence is astounding. The persistence of their idolatry to the point that they're willing to ruin their lives over it. But you flip that spiritually, we're supposed to spend our lives to save it for the gospel of Jesus Christ with the fervency and the intensity and the desire of going to him and going to him and going to him. Oh, oh God, that you would do that in our hearts. Oh God, that you would do that in our church. Oh God, that you would give us this going and crying day and night for the Lord. The widow was so persistent. We learned this. She was so persevering. In verse 5, it says, the judge says, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, literally in the original language, that is causing him trouble. In our day, a translation could be a phrase that we would use is, she's driving me nuts. She's driving me nuts. Like just wearing him down with her continual coming. Do you have people like that in your life who drive you nuts? From time to time, that might or may not happen in our house at home. Dad, can I die? 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 You know what I mean? It happens like, and just you're like, are you for real? Like you've been asking forever. Dad, can I die? You know, like, fine, just if you stop it. That's bad parenting, I understand, I understand. (laughs) But at some point, you're just like, oh, wow, like this incredible perseverance of this request. And that's what's happening within this text. This widow was hounding this judge and walking around. And I think he probably was embarrassed because she was weak and poor. And at some point, she's asking, he's like, if you stop asking me, if I give you what you want, you leave me alone. 
The text is saying, beat him down. Literally gave him a black eye, like a boxer, like stunned him to the point of his embarrassment, just saying, I can't take it anymore. If you, if I give you justice, will you be gone? And then this is what happens. Her persistence, her perseverance. Notice the judge didn't give in to the fact that she was weak and poor. The judge gave in to the fact that she was just driving him crazy. And that's why the end, she received what she was asking for. Now, this becomes a fascinating parable for us. And here's the question, well, how, how do we apply this to us? What are we to make of this now? Well, let's first understand what the parable is saying and what the parable is not saying. What the parable is saying is that we are to be like the widow. We are to be persistent in the pursuit of God, in the persevering of seeking the Lord in prayer. But the parable is not saying, not saying that God is like this judge. Our God is not someone who becomes worn out by our petitions and gets fed up with us and just says, Listen, you, you just stop hassling me, I'll give you. That's not what this is saying about our God, no way. The truth is God loves his children. God delights in his children. He loves to bless his children and protect them and answer them. Rather, the reason this parable is so powerful, and here's really the take home for the whole day. If an unjust judge who neither fears God nor man relents to a weak and poor widow, here's the contrast. How much more will a perfectly heavenly father respond to his children in persistent prayer? Again, that's the take home right there. How much more will a perfect father in heaven respond to us? Because look at, look at verse 6 again. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Right? So let's compare. And will not God? There's the comparison. And will not God, the perfect, holy, awesome Father in heaven who loves his children perfectly, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? So loved ones, within this parable, there's no question that Jesus is saying to us, he says, my child, I challenge you to keep praying. There's no question. In some form, I challenge you to keep seeking me. I challenge you to keep praying. There's no question within this parable that Jesus is saying this in some level. I'm not done answering, so you're not done praying. I'm not done answering, so we're not done praying. Implicit within this parable is this. Our Father requires persistent prayer. Implicit within this parable is our Father works within persistent, persevering prayer. But listen to this truth also implicit within this parable, and this is key. Our Father does not answer all prayer immediately, at least not in the way that we would like. So please see that truth. This is the truth on prayer. And look up here. This is so important. Look up here. Ready, ready? If we give up on prayer, then we miss out. If we give up on prayer then we miss out. Last month, we had a baptism service. A sweet, dear saint in our church. Her name is Kalpna Howarth. She was baptized, and she had an amazing story within her testimony of persevering prayer. Most of you would not have been able to see that, so instead of me telling you right now, let me just show you what took place last month in that service. Here, watch this on the screens. I stand here not because I'm perfect, but I stand here as I'm a forgiven child of God. 
I am especially grateful to share this moment with my brother, Piyush. Many years ago, I was uncomfortable attending his baptism as I was still a Hindu. He has been praying for me for 33 long years and has waited patiently for God's perfect timing. He has traveled, traveled all the way from England for the weekend to share this baptism with me. Amen. Amen. And we want to praise God for him. He's here. Piyush, would you just stand? We just want to praise the Lord for you and your... Amen. Prayed for 33 years and flew in yesterday, is flying back home to England tonight. Praise Amen. the Lord. It's, uh, we're very thankful that you're here. Amen. And upon your profession of faith, uh, Keltna, it's a delight to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> amen. 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 You want to clap? Let's clap, man. For the Lord. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. Just imagine me helping his brother. 33 years of prayer. Real life example. I mean, flew in from England for the weekend. And leaves. just imagine the faith that he left with. As Imagine if he gave up. You know, and God is sovereign. We understand all that, but He uses the prayers of His people. I mean, who's that? Who, who, who is that story? Who's here today for that story right there? You know, sometimes we pray for 33 minutes, let alone 33 years, right? But the challenge is do not give up in seeking the Lord. It becomes about Him, it becomes about our reliance and our love for Him. Listen, you're not done praying because God's not done answering. I find it so interesting, too, as we think about when God delays in answering prayer. Why does God sometimes do that? It's a very interesting question. I wrote down a couple of reasons. Why does God sometimes delay in answering prayer? I think one of the main reasons is, first, because God wants to show us and reveal to us just how serious we either are or aren't. God wants us to see how serious we are in seeking Him in this way. I think a second reason, too, is like, why God delays in answering prayer sometimes because when we are in our most desperate places of brokenness and dependence, what happens? That's when we draw closest to God. And God loves you. Hear me, hear me. God's not excited when we are off in the world in idolatry. God is very, he's jealous, perfectly jealous for our love. God is jealous for me and you. So when he has us in this place and we're so close to him and we're broken and tears are being shed and we're ministering in the presence of God and by his grace, God really likes, he really likes that moment. And I don't think he's in a huge rush to send us off into a place where we're gonna forget about him again. You know what I'm saying? He will use the trials of our lives as we seek and pray to him to draw us so close to him because that's when we're really in the safest position I think sometimes, too, why God delays in answering prayer because he wants us to see what we truly love. What is it that we're really living for? What is it that we're asking him for? Is it really about him or is it about us? Is it about his will or is it about our will? And he wants to show us as we learn about our own hearts of where we are within this life. Always remember this, loved ones, and this is, this is, this is good, this is important. Delays in answered prayer are not to change God, delays and answered prayer are really to change us. And that's good enough. Let's write that down right here because I want you to see that. Delays and answered prayer are not to change God, but ultimately, it's about changing us. This is why by faith I will not lose heart in prayer. 
By faith, I will persevere in prayer. And thirdly, this we'll see from our text. By faith, I will see justice in prayer. Look at verse 6 now. In verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them. Notice, speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Again, our context in this parable is the return of Christ. And if the unrighteous judge relents, what will a perfect, holy, and awesome father do for his children? The answer in these verses is this. He will give justice. He will give justice to those who call to him, who do not give up seeking him. Indeed, he will. And notice two things about praying day and night for the justice of God. When is God's justice perfectly fulfilled? It's perfectly fulfilled when Christ returns. So as we pray for the justice of God, we are also then automatically praying for the return of Christ when he comes to make all wrongs right. So within this text, it is completely good, proper, and biblical to pray that Christ would return. And he says, will I find faith on earth? So Jesus says, you keep praying and you keep watching for my return because I'm coming. I'm coming speedily, he says. So in one sense, we're uh, head, head bowed and eyes closed and we're praying, Lord Jesus Christ, return. Would you return? And then the other sense, we're kind of looking up and saying, is he coming yet? Is he coming yet? And oh, Jesus Christ, return. And then kind of one eye open and we're looking up to see that's so good and so right. Please, Lord Jesus, even so come. Maranatha, return, Lord Jesus Christ. And then looking and saying, is today the day? This is what Jesus Christ wants. The justice that he will grant to his church, to his bride, to his children who cry to him day and night, the text says. Give us justice, O Lord, in the times of persecution, in the times of difficulty, when you return and all these things are made right. It's amazing, it's amazing. He says he's coming speedily. And some will say, I've been waiting a long time. The church has been waiting 2,000 years. But always remember that a day is like a 1,000 years to the Lord and a 1,000 years is like a day. In the context of eternity, this is nothing. It's nothing. Don't let our judgment of time become God's judgment of time. We're learning here, what is it, loved ones? Now's the time to pray. Now. Now's the time to pray. For some of us, we've never prayed really in any significant way. This could be the turning point of our lives. We can't grow in Christ. We won't see God work. But our relationship with him that is growing again through prayer. And the end of verse 8, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, notice this, will he find faith on earth? What does that mean? Will he find faith on earth? It means this. When Jesus returns, will he find his church waiting when he returns, will we be waiting or will we be preoccupied with the things of the earth? When Jesus Christ returns, it means will he find his church longing, singing of his return, praying about his return, looking for his return. When Jesus Christ returns, will he find his church seeking him and again asking him to do this. When Jesus Christ returns, will he find his church looking up to heaven and filled with faith. Know this, when the Son of Man returns, he will be looking for those who are looking for him. And that's one of the great signs of the gospel within our lives. If we are truly saved in Jesus Christ, washed by the blood, 
by what he has done. If he has rescued us from death, because he took our penalty and paid for our sin, and now we are new creations in Jesus Christ. If we are truly saved in Christ, what happens? We long for Christ. We look to Christ. And if you, like me, saved in Christ, you groan for your ultimate redemption, where this body becomes perfect in Christ, and the reality of salvation is fully seen in him, you groan, Romans 8, for what is to be perfectly fulfilled as we see Jesus Christ face to face. So you see, so you see, one of the realities of the gospel in us is prayer from us. It's a longing for Christ. It's a desire for his return. This is the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If all we ever do is look around and focus on here, that's not a good sign. Because the Holy Spirit within us is like, seek, pray, long for him, look for him, live for him, love him. That's the child of God who's growing in the knowledge of the truth found in Jesus Christ. But how is this accomplished? How do we look and long and, and wait and all this stuff? How do we do that? How is this accomplished in the midst of life? It's hard with trial and evil and persecution and discouragement. How does the church not only survive but thrive in such a difficult environment? The answer is prayer. And that's because the essence of prayer is help us, God. Help us, God, loved ones. We can never, ever lose heart in prayer. So by faith, I will not lose heart. By faith, I will persevere in prayer. By faith, I will see justice in prayer. And that naturally then leads us to our fourth point. Look up on the screen for it to show up. There it is. <laughs> now there's a smiley face beside that point because it's not technically in the word of God, right? <laughs> but it's a very important application to this message. Doesn't that make sense? We're learning here. There is no real relationship with Christ apart from prayer to him. The urgency of the church and the need for prayer. So by faith, he's like, hey, don't give up, my child. I'm not done answering prayer. And he calls the church to pray. It is hard work. We will be tempted to be scourged. So that's why by faith, I don't lose heart. By faith, I persevere. By faith, I pray for justice. And by faith, listen, I will show up this week. By faith, and I pray with faith, I will show up to the week of prayer. You're like, what do I do again this, this week of prayer? Because a lot of us, we're, we're like, we're convinced and we're convicted. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. I want to engage with my family members in Christ here at this church. Three things you can do when it comes to this as we end here. The first one is this. You got to sign up. You got to sign up. The four pillars out in the foyer for the time slots of Monday through Thursday. And I saw the evenings. I mean, most of us will be working or preoccupied during the day but early mornings or maybe take a lunch break or you can get in here or you can sign up to come or the monday tuesday thursday evenings in the family room the wednesday night here sign up for these things in the foyer if you prefer show up and in the evenings for that as well you can sign up secondly this show up show up get ready whenever we go to battle or go to pray they're like the battle's on battle's on it always is this this weekend and, and this week with the glory the things that jesus christ will do sign up show up and then thirdly this send up send up send up prayers send up send up prayers to the lord and you can start sending up prayers to the lord right this very moment because the reality a lot of us the lord is speaking to and the lord says to us my child there's so much i want to do will you not ask Will you not seek me? Will you not believe in the things that I will do to wholeheartedly through a church that believes in this? 
Let's pray right now in regards to prayer. Let's pray. Let's quiet ourselves. Let's seek the Lord. Father, I pray that you are convincing men in this church right now as to the power of prayer. Like utterly convincing men. Men who are called to lead their homes, Lord. Men who are called to be examples for their children. Men who are called just to be examples for Christ throughout their life. And without a doubt, Lord, there are, just, there are men here right now who have not really engaged in prayer. But I, I want you to see this, men, today. But don't be discouraged right now, but receive the grace of Jesus Christ. See, this is the gospel. This isn't... The gospel leads us to love more. And as we love God more, of course, we pray more. See how those things happen together? Like, you can't separate that. The more I love God, the more I speak to him, the more I look to him, the more I depend on him, the more I pray to him, right? So it's not like, oh, I gotta pray more so God likes me. No, 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 no. I pray more because I love God so much because he's loved me. So Father, I pray for men here right now. Convince them, convict them, but encourage them, encourage them. Today is a new day for you in regards to prayer. For women in this room right now, women listening to this message who have been fighting discouragement, who have been longing for the things of Jesus Christ, maybe who have been also preoccupied with different things within life, I pray you would convince them of prayer. Encourage them in prayer. That they would not give up. That you say, my child, I insist on your insistence towards me in prayer. That's awesome. Oh, fill the women of this church to pray like never before. I pray for the the young adult, the child who's even here right now. And some of them have never really prayed ever. Maybe ever. They've heard about it. They've heard a couple people do it before. But they themselves have never prayed. And I pray by the gospel of Jesus Christ they would see that they are sinners in need of a Savior and desire so much to engage in a true, authentic relationship with the living God through prayer, by grace, through faith, that leads to prayer and love towards God. And for our church, oh Lord, we do, we ask, revive us in prayer. Bolster us in strength through prayer. So simple, Lord, in some ways, so simple. Why don't we pray more? And yet so difficult at the same time. So we ask you, would you empower even this week of prayer? Would you encourage many to sign up, many to show up, many to set things aside for you for one week and to say, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it because I love the Lord. I believe in what God's gonna do. Oh Lord, would you do that? Turn this community upside down because there's so many people who are petitioning you for your grace and glory to be seen. And even, Lord, as we sing right now, I pray many people in your church would be so glad to sing, to sing of your praise, to sing of your returning, O Lord, that we long for you. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, even so. And when you return, I pray you will find faith on earth. You will find faith, us longing and loving and praying and asking and seeking you. One by one, family by family, small group by small group, church by church, would you do this? Pray gladly in Jesus' name, amen.